Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this very special session. Today, I'm speaking with the CEO of Alera Holistic Healthcare, Dr. Shanda Macias. Dr. Macias, I was honored to speak with you for the spring issue of Cannabis and Tech today. Um, and I'm even more thrilled to share your insights with our audience here at Emerge. So to begin with, um, I'd love for those listening to, to know a bit more about your background um, and maybe your journey into the cannabis space. So I know you, you've got some super impressive accolades, um, but maybe you could tell us how you were first introduced to the idea of, of cannabis as medicine. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, it's just a pleasure to be here on this platform. Um, there's so many people who would love to be uh, a part of the conference. It's an amazing event. And I just want to say thank you again for selecting, um, inviting me to be a part of it. It's really important for the awareness of cannabis throughout our community. Um, and to pivot to your question, you know, Patricia, I actually started uh, my journey to cannabis when I was an undergraduate student at Howard University. Um, I studied breast cancer in women because I just saw how it affected our community. I studied the BRCA1 gene. And when I was doing my research with that, I saw that cannabis was a possible treatment option for patients. Um, I still continue my journey in healthcare. I went on to receive my doctorate and I focused on prostate cancer metastasis to bone at that time. Now, Again, it was something that was important that I researched because it impacted the African-American male at a higher propensity than any other cancer. And so the reoccurring theme was that cancer um, research or cancer treatments um, can evolve with natural medicines like cannabis. So I went to my dissertation advisor at the time and I asked him, can we do some research on cannabis? And there was a, an amazing pipeline. When I say amazing, it was just a big pipeline from patients, actual patients that became prisoners for using cannabis, especially in the African-American community. And because I was going to a historically black college and university, he was like, we cannot study that. That's gonna be very um, detrimental. It can lead to more um, issues. So let's just stay away from that. And that's what we decided to do. So my impression on natural medicine, specifically cannabis, started in my inception as a healthcare advocate and provider. Um, and then it continued to evolve until um, I was able to conquer my fears and jump in it with two feet as one of the pioneers on the East Coast when the program opened up. Yeah, really. Um, and such important work. And interesting to hear that they, they weren't interested in studying it. Um, but one thing I would like to touch on that, that you and Alara have been instrumental in was um, a law that passed in Louisiana, state law number 286. Um, maybe you could share with our audience a bit about how that act changed things for, for Louisiana patients and sort of your role in, in that legislation. You know, Patricia, is very interesting. So um, being a healthcare advocate my entire career, going from launching $2 billion brands 
10 world patents, three U.S. patents, um, tons of scientific articles and compilations in my career. Um, it was important that when I started my career in cannabis, that I made sure that all patients had safe access. And part of that was my pioneering work in Washington, D.C., where we were able to get a bill passed um, focusing on any condition or any ailment um, that a patient can receive medical cannabis um, for if their doctor recommended it. So we saw the impact on the community there. And, you know, with that um, and saw how cannabis was saving lives um, daily, improving the quality of life. Um, and so when I started to um, continue my journey and become a multi-state operator, so what a lot of people don't know, let me pause right here, Patricia, yeah. is that I'm the first African-American um, woman to have a medical license in the nation. And I am the first African-American woman to have a multi-state operation. So um, with that being said, as I continue to grow, I definitely continue with my narrative for patient access, safe patient access. And so when we came into the state of Louisiana, what I saw that that patient access was so limited. And I had to find a way that we could start to open and change hearts and minds through legislation um, introduction. So again, using my knowledge from the Washington DC market, where we have the National Holistic Healing Center um, and bringing it now down to Alara Holistic in Louisiana, we were able to get a bill passed that was for any ailment or any condition that any doctor could recommend a patient to use medical cannabis. And not only that, it's for residents and non-residents. So that way, if you're visiting the state and you're under a physician, a licensed physician in the state of Louisiana, you can receive medical cannabis as a part of your treatment plan. And that was so huge to the population. Um, that it was just, I mean, it was imperative to the success of the, the program in itself. Um, I will jump in there and say one other thing, which is that it, when COVID hit, we also had a fight for our rights to be able to become essential workers. And so we fought for that legislation, that emergency bill. We were labeled to emergency workers and we continued to produce medicine and we were able to get um, telemedicine delivery, 90 day supply, as well as a year recommendation from the physicians to completely open up that patient access. So we were super excited about the progress we've made with legislation here. That's incredible and such huge, huge steps for really changing the concept of cannabis to one that's more medicinally focused, really being able to prescribe it as medicine. That's huge. Yeah, especially in the South. You know, South is a little conservative in comparison to the Northeast. But one thing is the same is that patients need access to medicine. I love it. Um, Alara partnered with Southern University in 2018 to become one of only two licensed cannabis holders in the state. 
Um, I'd love to know how you secured that partnership. I'm sure there was some really stiff competition. Oh, you can imagine. (laughs) A duopoly is uh, a very competitive landscape. But one thing I can say about that, it was started, my relationship with Southern University started when I was the director of STEM education at Howard University. Um, I basically would work on different STEM related products, um, projects, and had about $10 million in federal funding. So whether it was from the NIH, NSF, or the DOE, um, I was able to work with different HBCUs and bring programming for their K through 12 programs and then their collegiate levels to help um, increase minorities in the STEM education pipeline. Um, Doing that, I worked with um, Southern University in their New Orleans campus. We had a joint grant. And so it was just a natural extension of my core competencies when I reached out to Southern University and said to them, guys, we've been working together for years. I'm in the cannabis industry. You're emerging in the cannabis industry. It's incredible synergy. Let's work together to really make an impact on our community. Wow. What a cool collaboration and that all of those skills came together to make that happen. I love it. Um, What is, uh, I guess, what are some of the main challenges for for being one of only two licensed operators in Louisiana. I'm sure that comes with a lot of hurdles. You know, it does. It does because in a a typical landscape, I mean, this is the only duopoly in the nation. And so we're pioneering again. And typically what you see, Patricia, is that most states have at least five to six different cultivators and processors. And with that, awareness of the program has been severely limited. Um, I'm glad that our patients and our patient advocates um, have been helping spread the word. But just to be able to bring awareness that is available um, and available to the patients of Louisiana has been a little bit challenging. Um, So education is really important. And also I think what's important is really protecting your relationship with the other cultivator and processor. Um, If you think about how we work together to change laws, um, to change hearts and minds, if you think about even protecting the duopoly, it's also important that we understand each other's forecasts what we're gonna produce on what timelines. So we work cooperatively together to make sure that patients are properly supplied the medicine that they deserve to have. How is the, the Louisiana marketplace? Is it unique as, in terms of, of cannabis cultivation? You know, it is very unique in the sense that it's a highly regulated. It's probably one of the most highly regulated programs in the nation. Um, We have all our SOPs, our infrastructure, everything um, that is on a separate metrics um, here that is approved by our regulatory body. Even testing comes from our regulatory body where you'll usually see testing come from a 
third party or um, even internally within the own grow itself. Here we'll watch pretty um, intently to make sure we're producing safe medicine for the patients of the state. So with that, there's a lot of difference, but um, the infrastructure, as you know, from state to state in terms of regulations change so rapidly and we're just working through all those hurdles to make sure as we're growing the program that our regulators, our inspectors, our stakeholders are well educated on making informed decisions day to day. How, how is Alara using new technologies to, to create more efficiency in the, the cultivation process? So, you know, what's very interesting is that um, I'm one of those climate people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I laugh about it and people say that all the time, like, I don't know you're a conservative when it comes to climate control and reducing your carbon footprint. So for me, when I think about different technologies, I always think about energy efficiency, whether it's in lighting, if it's in supply chain, um, in packaging, um, and reducing our use of plastics, et cetera, and then using more sustainable sources like natural well water that we still put through our irrigation process process and our um, different um, os reverse osmotic processes to clean it, but still it's a, a natural source. And I think if we go back and think about what is important and what's good for the earth is good for the patient. So we try to do everything in the most sustainable, efficient way. Um, it does help that we have a automation on site to make sure we have that precision and accuracy in all of our formulations. But also I think when you really consider overall what's the managing system, the ERP systems or the software you choose to make sure that all of your reports are accurate and precise so you can measure your cost savings is really important. So it's like a conglomerate of all these different operational controls to make sure we have total quality management. That's huge. Um, I know Alara launched its first products uh, with Southern in 2020. Um, and it was both a hemp baseline and then a, a cannabis baseline. Um, and that was pretty historically significant. Maybe you could share with us a bit about that launch and why it was so important to the university and to Alara. You know, in very important for me personally. Um, it, it was the first HBCU to launch um, a historically black college or university to launch a product. And this was imperative to our community just in light of the social justice movement, Black Lives Matter. But cannabis has done a lot of damage to our community in the family. If you think about a patient or um, that we know today that had possession of medicine and went to prison behind it um, and how it impacted the family structure and it just really derailed our different economic systems, it was 
very painful to our community and to be able to then now make cannabis do good and educate um, through the sustainability of an HBCU through profit sharing and being able to bring money to the university to ensure that future generations of African-Americans will continue to be educated and have optimal careers in cannabis, that was my blessing and something I felt very important to give back to our community since we were disproportionately affected. Wow, so beautifully said. Whenever we speak, I'm just always struck by um, the depth of your understanding of the topic and how much (laughs) I wish more people could hear your insights. (laughs) So I'm thrilled we can showcase that today. Um, would you talk a little bit about um, Hope and how uh, Alara brought those products to Louisiana? You know, it's Hope is like that inspirational hope. You know, that's why we named it that. Um, you know, it's interesting how it came about um, when in 2018-19, I became the chairwoman of the board for Women Grow and then the CEO for Women Grow. What I saw within our community is that mothers had children with autism and different um different special needs that needed to be addressed. And so some mothers would take, we call them refugees, they would take their child to another legalized state, separate their families and give them medical cannabis as an option because it wasn't legal where they lived. And so um, we heard the patient, the mother, the child, and in 2008-7-16, the state of Pennsylvania issued something what we call the Safe Harbor Act. And as you know, Patricia, Alara originated in Pennsylvania um, and in started in DC, then went into Pennsylvania with a different group of investors. But what we heard is that the, the p- parents that had children with autism wanted to use medical cannabis. And so they were safely allowed to harbor cannabis into the state. So then the parent and child wouldn't be separated from their families. And at that point, we stepped in with Alara and said, we have to make medicine for this population. Whether you're impacted by autism as an adult or a child, we need to give a solution. And so we worked with a mother, Erica Daniels. Um, We met in the conference room. I was there when the first formula was being derived. Um, It was with a company called Zolera Therapeutics. And I gave my input as a scientist. She gave her input as a mother. And we came about with something called hope, hope for children that needed a chance of having a better quality of life. Wow. And that brings up um, an interesting point, which is the the nickname you earned, which is the dispensary scientist. Um, Maybe you could share with us how you kind of earned that title among your colleagues. Yeah, it actually started when um, I was at the National Holistic 
Healing Center and the patients would come in and they wanted education. And I would ask them about what ailment or condition that they need help with. And they just need an education on how to treat their symptoms or their condition at, at a whole. Mm-hmm. And with that, I started to look at the different strains and the terpene profiles. And I looked at the CBD and THC compositions and started to match it with the patient and the patient needs. And so that's something that derived out of what we call ailment strain alignment. And with that, our patient base grew from our first 15 patients to over 10,000 patients today. And we have been able to help people with full body systemic issues like MS, cancer, pain relief, um, opioid addiction, to everything then also encompassing the mental health aspect like depression, ADHD. Um, So these are the things that we really had a library of aggregated data for the last six years to be able to pull from and help people specifically for their condition and ailment. Because not all cannabis solves everything. Specific cannabis strains help certain conditions and ailments. I love that. And it's, it sounds like, um, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it would be a novel concept, right? That the different strains would have different effects, but to think about, you mentioned how the different terpenes might interact with, um, a mental wellness issue. And those are all things that you've been able to study and determine that's huge. I mean, I can only imagine how fortunate your patients feel to, to have that kind of specific guidance. You know, what's very interesting is that the patients couldn't pinpoint when they used specific strains why they felt better. Mm. But the answer was that they felt better. And when they felt better, I said, we're addressing your needs, your concerns, and that's what I'm focused on. And so you don't know maybe what was driving your issues, like was it insomnia? Sometimes people don't understand when they have pain, they also have a co-symptom of depression. So Mm -hmm. when we're aligning um, the medicine with the patient, we're really helping them to understand that you're usually treating multiple symptoms and not just one. And it's truly an individualized medicine. It is medicine that helps the individual based on their condition and their ailment. Well, and so that brings up kind of an interesting point specific to Louisiana. At this point, um, you can't offer flour to your patients. So how does that um, limitation sort of impact what you're doing with Alara? Well, one good thing is that we were just recently approved to offer what we call the meter dose inhaler, which is the same as a vaporizer. And so with that, we now have topicals, tinctures, uh, meter dose inhaler or vaporizer. And we were also awarded um, the use of uh, gelatin-based um chewable, which is known as a gummy in the real world. So we're glad that we're continuing to fight for legislative 
changes. And our main agenda um, for our session that starts in April is to introduce a flower bill um, and support those, those efforts in any way necessary to give patients access to a whole nother resource of medicine that can help their ailment and conditions. That's so awesome. I imagine um, it's really important to have different modalities, right? Um, I mean, something we talked about when we were chatting for the spring issue was um, for some people, you might suggest a vaporizer for their specific conditions as opposed to uh, maybe a gummy. Definitely. So when you think about what form fits your lifestyle, but your element and condition, it's really important that you align that properly. So if I think about um, why would I use the inhaler, it's usually because I have an immediate spike of pain that I need immediate relief from, or I have an immediate spasm. So with the inhaler, you can use it. And within 30 seconds to two minutes, you'll see a direct impact with the body relaxation, where if you have chronic pain, which is consistently high, um, and you need long durations of um, relief, a gummy, which is one of the most potent forms of cannabis would be better. It will give you coverage from six to eight hours. Um, you just get your dosage aligned. And then that way you can be able to have better use of your medicine versus the vaporizer, which might give you two hours of coverage. And it's, you know, it's fast acting. The other thing is that when you think about a lifestyle and using medication is that if you have children, it might be easier for you to use a tincture or a topical or a gummy where you're not exposing your children or family members with your private use of medicine. So I think that's important, especially from women um, that still need cannabis usage um, as a medicine, but still need their privacy behind it. Yeah, I can really appreciate that. And I think having access to all those different modalities is so important for prescribing things in a way that will actually fit with the patient lifestyle, as you said. Yes. How do you look forward to the Louisiana medical marijuana landscape kind of evolving and changing? You know, I'm so excited. Um, I'm excited because I know cannabis has changed the lives of thousands of patients that I have worked with over the years. Um, I, I'm getting a little sentimental because I read an article the other day about seven children that lost their lives waiting for cannabis approval in the South. So I always keep that in perspective that my work is very important in really helping those that don't have a voice. And so I'm excited by the fact that I am definitely getting, um, making severe progress and changing legislation and working towards opening um, uh, access, safe access for more patients. But it is definitely that flip side of it where you see the impacts of not having that access can hurt other patients. So I'm still excited about the future, our growth. Everything is trending the way the attitudes, the beliefs about cannabis are opening up. They're being exposed, we're making great headway, but I still, my heart and my mind goes out to those patients that still have limited access to a medicine that truly can help them. 
Where can people go to keep up with your work and learn more about what you're doing? I have a website. It's drshonda.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, Shonda, C-H-A-N-D-A. Um, You can contact me there. You can see the work we're doing um, throughout um, multiple states. And um, I'm just excited to continue to be that patient advocate and do right for cannabis and do right for my community. I love it. Lastly, Shonda, is there anything you'd like to share that maybe we didn't touch on during our discussion today? I think one thing that is really important from a healthcare perspective is that patients always wait to use cannabis as their last option, where I think they should truly consider as one of their first options. So if you're thinking about what that looks like for your own life and your own healthcare, just know that the endocannabinoid system is a real system in your body that can manage all the other systems, whether it's digestive, immunization, um, the immunity, um, circulatory systems. This is really pivotal to having more access to research, but also to change your life before it progresses to a disease state that is not able to be treated with cannabis. That's huge. Super powerful takeaway. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. And I thank you. I really thank you for the the voice today, the awareness and allowing me to share this platform with you. Yeah, it was my truly my pleasure. (laughs) Um, I learned so much and I really appreciate your wisdom. Um, On behalf of Cannabis and Tech Today, this is Patricia Miller and Dr. Shonda Macias signing off. In this industry, no two businesses are the same. Even so, common threads do exist, and printing on demand is nearly always one of them. Loda Enterprises can help. Loda has over 30 years of experience in on-demand printing. Whether you need to print full-color primary display labels, lab results, or simply mark the plants you grow, Loda can show you how. Call us at 800-654-5331 or visit www.loda.com to learn how Loda can help you implement your unique vision successfully.